weeks this morning I'm battling bronchitis and so it's uh, it's a labor of love tell I tell you the truth but I do want to give you what I feel the Lord has spoken to my heart about and I pray that you will open your heart as we open the word of God Mark chapter 4 and I'm going to re- begin reading in verse number 1 when I read it will be familiar to most anybody that's ever read their Bible or have ever heard Bible uh, stories uh, spoken or taught. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there were gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. Everybody say, by parables. You know that a parable is a story of life, a real life story that parallels a spiritual principle. The story is not the focus. The principle is the focus. Don't ever forget that when you're reading parables. Don't get lost in the parable Ask yourself, what is the parable speaking to me in a spiritual sense? And so he spoke to them, and he said unto them, and he he said unto them in his doctrine, or in his teaching, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth and immediately it sprang up, but it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. And if you continue reading down through verse number 20, you will get an explanation of this parable that Jesus gives to his disciples. But for the sake of time, I will not go in that. What I want you to be conscious of this morning and I want you to be aware of is that it is easy to get lost in this parable with things that are not the focus uh, per se. They're important, but they're not the main thing. And I want to try to help give you what I believe is the main thing. And I am going, I, I hate to give you a subject because I limit myself. And maybe God would speak to you uh, in, a, in a different way. But for those of you that need a title, I'm going to be speaking to you this morning about improving your opportunity. Improving your opportunity. And everybody said amen. Now you folks look like you're just dying for me to preach about an hour and a half. I just see it written all over your face. I'm telling you, you look like sponges and you're just saying, feed me, pastor, feed me. Uh, That's not what I'm picking up. That's not the vibe that I'm getting. Is that not it? You're wanting to get out of here before noon. I know because you're hungry. All right. I promise you, I'll let you out in time to eat today. God bless you. You may be seated. 
Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord and smile as you're doing that. It's okay to be good and happy in church. Amen. It was a contemporary of Jesus Christ. It was discovered in 1965 when Herod the Great's fortress at Masada near the Dead Sea was being excavated. It had survived 2,000 years. What was it? It was a seed. A date palm seed to be particular. And so those who discovered wondered if it still had the capacity to produce. And so in, in, in 2005, they planted that seed that had been discovered in 1963. And they watched as a miracle of growth took place. And out of that seed that was over 2,000 years old, that was a contemporary with Jesus, that, that, that was there when Jesus was on the earth, that seed produced a plant and they named the plant Methuselah. Pretty apropos name. Because it had survived all of those long years. The point is there is great power and potential in the seed. The parable of the seed and the sower is one that I'm sure you have heard spoken from before. But I believe that I saw it this week in a way I've never seen it before. Because in reality, there is laid out before us in this parable the picture of man. The parable of the sower is in reality a microcosm of life. It is in simple form a picture of what we are experiencing even here today. There are three central factors that must be approached carefully. One is the sower, the other is the seed, and the third is the ground. But not only that, there are four types of ground that are mentioned. And these four types of ground, I believe, if you read your story again, you will see the connection that God makes when He talks about hearts. Now, hearts are not found in land. Hearts are found in people. And so the story that he tells and conveys is the story of man. It's a picture of humanity and life. And there are four types of people that are mentioned, four situations that the seed encounters. And they, <clears throat> the seed, when it encounters that, finds that there are situations in that soil that are working for it or they are working against what God is trying to do in that particular situation. First of all, let's talk about the sower. Everybody say the sower. The sower could be anyone. No one in particular is named. Most often it is your preacher. Sometimes it is a teacher. Often, though, in your private time, it is just reading the Word of God. But the sower is whomever you would choose. And he did not come unintentionally. The Bible said that he went out to sow. So my understanding of that is that there was purpose in his work. It was an intentional thing. 
It was not an accident. There was, there was something behind all of the reasoning of the sower. And I want to say to you, first of all, that God's work in our life is always intentional. It is never accidental. It is never something that just happens by chance. But God is continually working on purpose, working with purpose, working with desire and design for my life. And so when you look at the work of God and you think about the work of God in your life, always remember that that work is intentional. God is not wasting his time. He's not biding his time with you until he can find a better subject. He has something to invest in you and he has something to give you and so he works purposely. And then there is the seed. And oh, we understand from the story the power of the seed. There is a powerful nature in that seed. And it is a powerful thing of nature. Within it resides the germ of life. And it can be put under soil that is hundreds, even thousands of times heavier in weight than the seed. But when that miracle begins to take place and the shell begins to decay and that spring of life begins to come out of that seed, it doesn't matter if it's a thousand times more or ten thousand times more. That soil cannot keep down the growth of the seed. There is power in a seed. There is power in the seed. I've seen seed move concrete. I've seen it uproot things that we thought were unmovable. Why? Because there is power in the seed. And everybody said amen. But not only is there power in the seed, even in weak soil. Everybody say weak soil. Even in weak soil, it still gives a valiant effort. In less than desirable or imperfect circumstances, it works diligently to do what it was designed to do, and that is produce. Even in situations where it is working against the odds, it still works. Hallelujah. I said it still works. And the reason that I know that is because three out of the four situations that are mentioned here were not desirable situations. And yet out of those three, two of them were still able to produce something even though it was limited. The question is, how could that be? How could seed that is so powerful produce even in a vegetable garden or in a weed patch? It is because the nature of God's work is in human life is always done with something more in mind than what you can see presently. Because that is the nature of God's work in our life. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we should ask or think. And let me remind you this morning that God doesn't begin a work in us to fail. He doesn't begin a work in us to fail. God's effort in our lives are always to improve our lives. God's effort in our life is always to make our life better. 
God's work in our life is always designed to help us. That's why even when the soil isn't good, the seed that He puts in us still tries to produce something even though it may be limited in what it can produce because that is God's purpose. God never begins anything that He's not willing to finish. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said, I am convinced and I am persuaded that He that began a good work in me is going to finish it. He's going to bring it to conclusion. Why? Because that's just the way God is. God doesn't start something in my life to fail. Amen. The seed is powerful. It works, and it works, and it works. But if it fails, it's not because of him. It's not because he failed. There's other factors. Another truth that I want to share with you is that the seed is the word of God. That's what the Bible, if you go ahead and read the rest of the story, Jesus explains. And he said the seed is the word of God. So you don't have just generic seed, you don't have turnip green seed, or you don't have watermelon seed. You have the seed is the Word of God. The Word of God. Think of all of the things that the Word of God has produced in this world. Think about all of the things that the Word of God has caused to happen in this world. Think about all of the things that the Word of God has altered in this life. Think about all of the things that the Word of God has rearranged in this life. Think about all of the things that the Word of God has stopped. Think about all of the things that the Word of God has started. Think about all of the things that the Word of God has finished. Think of all the things that happened when the Bible said, and God said, and God said, and God said. So the seed is the word, and the word causes things to happen. The word produces the word alters. The word rearranges. The word stops. The word starts. The word finishes. How often that word has been spoken. And when it has been spoken, dead things come to life. Lazarus come forth. How many times has that word been spoken and a crippled limb is straightened by Jesus seeing, saying, stretch forth your hand. How often has it been that the word of God has spoken and it has created an opportunity for us to do the impossible. When Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And all Jesus said was, come. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the power of the Word of God. And Jesus said, that seed that I'm planting is my Word. That seed that I'm planting is my Word. It restores crippled limbs. It opens blind eyes. It unstops deaf ears. It turns and changes and mends and heals and restores. And I like that about the Word of God. But what I want you to see this morning and what got my attention is that the seed is an investment. Everybody say an investment. A seed is an attempt by the sower to improve some ground. It is the attempt by a farmer to improve his situation. 
He takes seed that is powerful, that can reproduce. That they, they tell me that in one poppy seed, there is 200 plants capable of coming out of that one plant. There are thousands of other seeds that can be produced by just one seed. You, you hold a, a, a peach seed in your hand. And you take that peach seed and you plant it. That peach seed is not going to produce just one peach. In time, it's going to produce hundreds and hundreds and hundreds over the years. That's the power and the potential there is in the seed. And what I see here is that God is saying this parable is about what I'm trying to do in your life. I want to invest something in you. I want to give you an opportunity to improve yourself. I want to give you an opportunity to rise to a better level. I want to give you the chance of becoming a better individual and so I'm willing to invest in you I'm willing to bring my seed my word and put it in you so the seed is an investment that God's making it's an investment it's God's effort to improve my life it is God offering you a better and improved life than what you now have and so When I look at that story now, I see something different. I don't just see four grounds. I see a sower. I see a God that has seed in his hand and he's looking out at a field and said, you know what? I want to, I want to help that man get better. I want to help that family do better. I want, I want to help that person overcome. And so he begins to sow the seed as an investment, sowing the seed into that ground as an improvement, as a way to make it better. But here's the kicker. This is what turns everything up on its end. The seed, no matter how powerful the promise, no matter No matter how great the potential, no matter how wonderful the word of God might be, that word is affected by the soil it goes into. That the God who could speak, let there be light. And we find the unfolding drama of redemption within this book. And we read all that God does and what His Word has produced. We find that that Word is affected by the soil in which it goes in. The ground. And there are four types of ground that are mentioned here. There is the wayside or the path that a man would walk down. There is the stony ground. There is the thorny places. And then there is the good ground. He said the seed that fell on the hard-packed ground never had a chance because of the hardness. Read the story. He mentions that word. He uses that word because of the hardness of the ground. It was unable to penetrate. And so it lays there on the surface. And the Bible says that the fowls of the air, but Jesus translated that and said the devil really does it. He comes along after that seed with promise and that seed with potential and that seed with power and that seed with improvement and that seed with betterment in it. When it's sown into my life, then the devil comes because the ground is not conducive 
conducive to receive it. It's hard. It's not, it's not ready for it. And so it is able to steal that away. And I see in this story those in life who because of the hardness, they allow hardness to determine what God does in their life or what the outcome of their life is. They allow hardness to predict their future. They allow the unfortunate things of life to determine what God is wanting to do in their life. There are those in this building this morning who have gone through some hard things in your life. And if you're not careful, you will allow those hard things to interfere with what God is trying to produce in you. Amen. Amen. Satan's agents, they never cease to come to take away what God has sown. And it's all because of hardness. I've seen a lot of people miss God's blessings in their life because of hardness. Just pure hardness. Stubbornness, rebellion, whatever else you want to call it, but it's hardness. Whatever's happened to them in their past has marked them. Whatever's happened to them has scarred their life and their mind. And so everything comes to them filtered through that hardened shell. And the Word said, that powerful seed, that seed that has potential, that seed that is my investment in your life, it comes up against this ground that is unreceiving. It comes against this situation that will not open. It comes against this ground that has hardened itself over a process of time and because of that nothing comes of it it doesn't produce because the the fowls of the air Satan and his agents come and steal it away and then there's the rocky ground there there's that ground that is not very deep it's just uh, surface underneath there are uh, there are hindrances there are things that happen uh, that that keep the, the, the seed from going down and getting real roots. And he talks about the, the things that cause people to be uprooted and die is because of affliction and trouble and problems. What I see in this ground is that it is a ground that is impulsive. They never think of the future. They, they only think of the present. And there's no depth to their life. And they don't care about depth of soil. They're just there for the moment. But when the sun comes up, a sun that ought to bring out of them growth, a, a sun that ought to bring out of them fruitfulness, all of a sudden becomes a scorching sun and it causes them to die. What should have been luring growth out of them and bringing fruitfulness into their life is all of a sudden causing them to die because there's no root and they wither away. And then he talks about the ground that is thorny ground. A little more happens in this ground. There's, there's a lot that takes place, as a matter of fact. A plant actually grows. Something comes up out of the ground. It, it does have some depth, but it has competition. It, it has competition. It has things that are fighting against it. And so as it goes through the process of growing, when it's trying to pull nutrients out of the soil... 
there's something wrapped around the root system. It's, it's the root system of the thorns. And, and before the nutrients can be pulled up into the plant, they're sucked out of that into the roots of, of, the, of, the, of the thorns and the thistles. And so what should have been going toward production and what should have been going toward fruit and, and some kind of evidence of this work in its life is not producing anything. It's just leaves. It, it has the appearance of a great plant, but it has nothing to say for it. It's that person that finds in life too many competing interests to really give God the time that he needs or give God the place that he needs in their life. And so they're busy. They're busy here. They're busy there. They're going all the time, but they never seem to get anywhere. Because there's too much competition for their energy. There's too much competition for their time. There's too many things. Deceitfulness, worry, lust, seduction. And so they become unfruitful. The key is the soil. Everybody say the soil. The key is where the seed finds its resting place. And that determines what it produces. That determines what it produces. Each situation has its own results. Each situation has its own production of events. The question this morning is, what are you and I going to be? In God's effort to improve our life, in God's effort to make us better, and God's always working to make us better. God's always sowing seed. He's sowing seed in worship. He's sowing seed when we're praying. He's sowing seed when we're faithful to the house of God. Continually, God is putting out to us. He's investing in our life. But the question becomes, what's going to happen with God's investment in our life? What's going to come of God's effort to improve our life? Are we going to be like one ground that allows hardness to restrict what it can do? Are we going to be like one ground that resisted and would not open itself and continually refused to yield and as a result of that never enjoyed the benefits or the blessing of that seed? Or will we be like the ground that he spoke of as being shallow and having no depth to it and, and, and only impulsive and only here and there and never putting down roots? Or are we going to be like the ground he spoke of as being thorny? We're going to allow the cares of this life. We're going to allow other things, too many distractions. we got too much on our mind. we got too much to do. We've got too many places to go to really let God do with us what he wants to do. Listen to me, it's God's investment that's important. It's what God's trying to improve. And He's trying to improve your situation. He's trying to improve my situation. But understand, understand this morning that that improvement is determined by what He finds in me. Amen. Don't let His investment go for naught. Don't let God's effort go wasted. Don't allow anything to strip you or steal from you what God has tried to put in your life. Amen. Amen. God's investment is worth paying attention to. God's invested a lot in some of us. As a matter of fact, God's invested more in some of us than He has in others because 
Because he just is that way. He just keeps coming back over and over and over and over again. Some people say, well, Brother Hughes, I just can't live that life. It's just not made for me. I, I don't know how to do that. I, I'm not made like that. Oh, you may not be made like that, but you can become like that. You see, the thing that's always intrigued me about this story is that though there were four types of soil and only one of them produced, all four of them had the potential of producing. All four of them had the potential. The hard ground that was packed under the foot of man could easily have been worked on and broken up. And it, have, it could have become ground that could produce. The thin ground, the ground that had rocks, he would have taken some work, but they could have easily gotten the pickaxe out and they could have broken up that uh, subsurface that restricted its growth and brought in more soil or added to it so that it had greater potential and certainly the ground that was thorny all it would have taken would have been somebody to go out with the weed whacker and do a little work on it and you could have improved that but not one of those soils could not be improved so no matter what my situation in life is I have no excuse God wants to improve my life God wants to make me better. He wants to bring me to a higher level of spiritual living. He wants to bring me closer to Him. He wants me to have more fruit in my life. But He is limited by what He finds in me. Amen. Three of the four soils have the potential of improvement. They have the potential of improvement. The question that we must ask today is that what kind of soil are we going to be? What kind of person am I? Is there anything in your life this morning that's frustrating the work of God in your life? Is there anything that's frustrating that investment that God's trying to make? God's putting good seed in. He's putting powerful seed in. He's putting productive seed in. He's putting seed in. He's putting the same seed in you that he put in creation when he said, let there be light. When he said, let there be wind, let there be this. Or The same word that spoke then speaks now, and that word is powerful. My question this morning, is there anything in your life that's frustrating that work of God? Is there anything in my life that is negating every good thing God does for me? If there is, then maybe it's time that I get a pickaxe out. Maybe it's time that I get the weed eater out. Maybe it's time I go back to my field and do a little work on it. Because I want the best and most improvement I can get in my life. What is God trying to bring into your life this morning? What is God trying to produce in your life that is being compromised by hardness or by shallowness or carelessness or unconcern? What is God trying to do for all of us this morning that is being frustrated because of the ground with which He is having to work? What kind of life is this seed going to find? That's the question that needs to be answered this morning. You see, there is room for improvement. I can improve my opportunity this morning by simply working on this ground that's called my life and making it as receptive to Him as I can be. 
Because if I will, it will produce. He said the ground that was good when the seed fell in, some produced 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Can you imagine that kind of return on a single seed? 30 fold, a 60 fold, a 100 fold. It all depends on the ground. Let's stand together. I wonder this morning in your life or mine what has frustrated the work of God this week. I wonder if there's anything in me this morning that is causing God's work to be hindered because of a little hardness. You know, I've seen a lot of people I feel sorry for. I've dealt with a lot of people pastoring that I just, I look at and I shake my head and I think, you know what, if you could just get past that hardness, there is a life for you that is better, bigger than you could even imagine. But you've got to get past that hardness. I've seen people that the more I try to help them, the more frustrated I get because they are so careless in the way that they live. So careless in the way that they face life. I've found people that they're good people, good, good people, good, honest people. But they're so busy and they're so consumed with things and life that they don't have time for God. I have a neighborhood that's like that. The whole neighborhood. When they see me, oh, they, preacher, how are you doing today? How are you this morning, preacher? How, how are things going at your church? But when you start talking to them about, oh, you know, God said, I want to, I want to make an investment in your life. I want to put something in you that will make you better than you can even imagine. I want to put something in you that will improve where everybody will want to be. I want to put something in your life that will cause everybody to look at you and say, Oh, my, blessed, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. But God's hindered. God's hands are often tied because of the soil in which He finds in my life. And the bottom line, the simple truth of the story is this. I can improve my situation. I can. I can improve my opportunity by working on the soil so that when He sows that seed in my life, it will produce the best results. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is there anybody here that doesn't want God's best in your life? Anybody? Nobody's hand raised. Nobody wants to live a life where God's best is not at least an opportunity for you. And yet the truth is this morning, some of us are living far, far below our because there's too many competing interests in our life. There's too many things that are frustrating. And all I have to do is just work work the soil. Work, work the soil. Work on it. Amen. Dig it up. 
get the pickaxe out. There's some thing, there's some hard things that can get in your life that you need to break up. Life can do some things to you that makes you real very brittle. Amen. Why don't you allow God to do what He set out to do? So invest in your life. Good seed, powerful seed. Seed that no matter how long it lays dormant, if you can get it in the ground, it'll produce. 2,000 years. And when they put it in the ground, it began to sprout and grow. Amen. Question this morning. Anybody want to improve your opportunity? Anybody want to improve your situation? Is there anybody here this morning that's hungry for God's best in your life? And you say, God, you know what? I, I have to admit, I think I'm, I'm probably one of those soils I wasn't even thinking about. And I want the best that you have for me. I want the best that you can offer. I wonder if you just slip out right now. Nobody's looking at somebody else. Just meet me here at this altar and say, Brother Hughes, I want to improve my situation.